everybody to the big dudes in the trenches. Tug is not going to be with us for this show, I believe. Uh, but that's all right because we got Bug and Doug in town to talk some spring football. Got the whole first round of the XFL Absolutely. playoffs on. And week three of the USFL fully underway. We're finally going to start digging into that this week as well. I won't. Because I'm, I'm sure y'all saw the pictures. <laughs> yeah. You know where I was uh, this weekend. I got to go to day three of the NFL draft on Saturday. Had a blast. Made it onto ESPN. So that was pretty cool. Um, overall, I would 100% go again. Just if you got small kids, that was going to be kind of tough. That was that was probably our biggest uh, our biggest hang up. Our biggest drawback there was just. Uh, Having children, yeah, yeah, it, it made things made things a little difficult. You know, could have been worse. Could have been worse, but we had fun, and uh, like I said, one hundred percent, I would do it again, and I look forward to getting the opportunity to go again. As a matter of fact, so we'll see how it goes, and uh, you know, maybe maybe I find myself in Detroit next year by some miracle. It'd be fun. I'm kind of hoping that I end up in Detroit next next year, which is a sentence I never thought I would say in my life. So, I mean, I'm, I'm right there with you because, you know, it's Detroit. <laughs> it's Detroit. But, we, yeah, we have plenty of games to talk about. I know I know for a fact you saw at least one of these. So that's a good starting point. I did. I did. And I saw, uh, once again, I did not see any USFL, unfortunately. Uh, however, the game being in Memphis between the Gamblers and uh, – Go let's go. Hold on, let's go. Day one for my birthday next year from Painted Bronco down, down. All, that's all you need. 100%. Yeah, that's all you needed to say. Uh, uh, yeah. So I mean, you know, I saw different like videos from at the game and the like, and I've seen some of the aftermath, which I'm sure we'll get into uh, when we get to the games later. But uh, yeah, I only really saw one game this weekend. Other stuff going on, right? So we'll uh, we'll get into it as. Yeah, draft happens. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get into it as we can, and no place to start than uh, with the first game, the one on Saturday. I only saw the fourth quarter of this one, and uh, a few things stuck out to me right away. First of all, we were we were right and wrong about Arlington. They're not good, and right. Bob Stoops agreed. He said, I don't even know how this happened. He said it about three times. <laughs> as he's shaking their hands, I'm like, bro. Uh but no. the second part of it, man, like Luis Perez was getting mad last week about some of the play calls. And I, I think thinking, you know, he probably thought this is too much. We're showing him too much. And what do you know? They come out this week and just dominate. Now the fourth quarter was kind of a snoozer, which is all I got to see, unfortunately. Uh, but it was a snoozer because it was really just jockeying. It was the, it was the renegades really holding their lead. And then the roughnecks rolling out, Cole McDonald after losing faith in Brandon Silvers early in the game. And that's, uh, that's what we ended up with. It was, it was rough to see things did not go their way. And uh, they lost in front of their home crowd. They lost big too. They were favored in this one. Somehow magically between the two of us, we saw the entire game because I had to turn it off for the fourth quarter, but I saw the first three quarters of this and I was amazed at what I saw. It is kind of exactly what we talked about last week. 
you know, if we refer back to my last week power rankings, I had Seattle ahead of DC and Houston ahead of Arlington. And I said, it's a hundred percent guaranteed at this point. It will be Arlington DC. That's exactly what we got. Arlington came out hot and Houston's defense for the first time, the entire season was powerless to stop anything. It was truly a masterful performance from really all around, like the offense, the defense, and the coaching staff put together, I would say. It took all three of those. Special teams don't count, let's be real. Uh, but but with the, the play calling that I got to see, Arlington was really taking advantage of things that, you know, if you've watched Houston, you could probably tell were potentially issues. Mm-hmm. But nobody had ever dared to actually risk exploiting that. We saw scores of 50-plus yards two different times. That's not a play you can reasonably call very often in the XFL. You don't usually have a quarterback that's good enough to throw it 40, 50 yards in the air. Lewis Perez is one of those guys, and it made a huge difference, especially that second quarter, just unreal. I, I don't remember the exact scoreline when Houston finally got on the board, but it felt like, oh, my gosh, here they finally come. Arlington scored again. There was nothing Houston could do. It was, this was a masterful performance by Arlington. And that's, again, twice in one episode, a sentence I never thought I'd be able to say. <laughs> the The biggest thing that stood out to me, and it stood out to the announcers as well, they said it multiple times, and I, I'm highlighting it because I 100% agree with it. There's There's no doubt about it getting Luis Perez more involved in this offense, getting him more reps there, it made a massive difference. Absolutely. And Arlington was able to execute with that. They're able to turn that into points, which is something that, frankly, they struggled with early in the season as well. They were not finishing. In the middle of the season and a lot of the times late in the season. Yeah, and they (laughs) they mentioned it on air too. They're like, you know, this team – Went one and four, or one and five, you know, one of their last one, yeah, one and four, won one out of their last five games. And now they're in the playoffs. And credit to them, they did a great job of spinning this, you know, oh, this is the league of opportunity. And what better opportunity than to, to turn your season around like this, blah, blah, blah. That's great. But man, this was, if you're a Roughnecks fan, you had to be more than a little upset about how this game went. I will say, though, if you bet on the XFL before the season actually got underway, you're probably extremely satisfied right now because the odds were very much in favor of the Bob Stoops coach team making the championship game at minimum. They finally did it, even though completely improbably, uh, at four and six. And now I guess technically five and six, still under 500. They could win the entire league and have a perfectly even record. That is both horrendous and hilarious at the same time. And I, you know what? I'll talk about that later. I'll talk okay. about that later. We want to move on to the next one. Uh, well, I want to jump to the players of this game because I oh, think that's right. I have four different guys I wanted to highlight here. Uh, a new BDT record. 
<laughs> but I thought they were all kind of worthy of shouting out here. Luis Perez, of course, we've already talked about one of the best quarterbacks in this league when he's on and when the play calling supports him to the best of his specific skill set, which is something that Arlington hasn't been able to do the entire season and something that Vegas couldn't do before he got traded Arlington, part of why he probably got traded there. Uh, but Lewis Perez today, or I guess yesterday, uh, 289 yards, three touchdowns, also carried the ball twice for 13 yards. Uh, one of the biggest plays of the entire game was a very long catch by Javante Payton. Ends the day with five catches for 121 yards and two touchdowns. In addition to the, those two touchdowns, he also ran the ball in for a two-point conversion on one of the more exciting two-point conversions of this entire season. Like, there was no way he should have been able to get in, and he just kept fighting. It was a great all-around performance by this offense. As I guess we kind of already discussed, but these two guys in particular were pretty phenomenal. And of course, ESPN does me dirty yet again. Can't find a good picture of Bruce Hector, except for when he was on the Philadelphia Eagles. Doesn't even wear that number anymore. Uh, I also found pictures of him on the Lions, I guess. Not that that really helps anything. Uh, he, <laughs> he is on the Arlington Renegades now. And... Seven total tackles, half a sack from your big Poor nose guy. tackle. Poor guy, only half a sack. I know. It's pretty it's tragic. Rough. That's tragic. I think with those numbers, he could win the Tour de France. So, <laughs> also as a pure IDL, <laughs> uh, getting seven total tackles is pretty insane stat production. Uh, another guy I wanted to shout out, not as great on the stat sheet, but if you watch the game, you will definitely recognize Will Hill was a huge part of this defense's performance here. Uh, just a solid safety in that back end of the field. Actually made consecutive plays there. Uh, a third down stop, half a yard short of the first down marker. Then got his one TFL on the game on that fourth down attempt by Houston. Will Hill was all over the place. Uh, very, very important to this win. Needed to deserve a shout out as well. Absolutely, and the this whole defense really deserves a shout out. Their ability to create turnovers in this game was another big reason why they won. Something that they've been successful and efficient at doing all year, but no bigger game to whip it out and perform the way that they did uh, than the playoffs. Tug would really like to see him whip it out. Oh, yeah. Now you're so, on the pod, catching strays. <laughs> <laughs> this is what happens when you miss the podcast. <laughs> Moving on to our next game, the North yeah, Division this, Championship. This one was yesterday, wasn't it? Yeah. That's how time works. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody, the score is deceiving, if you didn't watch very. this game. The score is very deceiving. Uh Seattle put up 12 points in the fourth quarter. They put up 12 garbage time points. That's just – that's how it goes. Right. Uh, uh, but man. at the same time as that, it was 9-9 nine to nine at the half. It was – really seriously felt like anybody's game. It was a very good game until coming out of the half. D.C. 
found a completely different level, absolutely dominated this game. Their run game in the first half and really the second half, for the most part, never felt like it got going or got out of second gear. And that's where they were able to exploit Seattle. We kind of saw the same thing against uh, St. Louis, where at first they're not running the ball like they had been. And then all of a sudden they start doing some short passes, some short crossing routes. And then the next thing you know, they're, they got Abram Smith breaking off runs left and right. Now, he didn't do that in this game, but between him and Harris, they were able to get some big right. runs and some big passes from Jordan to Amu. Lucky Jackson being the recipient of a couple of those. That was a beautiful connection to see throughout this game as well. Oh, yeah, definitely. No, I was thoroughly surprised at two things in the first half. First of all, it was raining. I get it. But also, the Seattle receivers were dropping damn near every pass that was thrown to them in the first half, at least. Uh, this has been the best receiving core in the league by far the entire time. And mm-hmm. they just couldn't find that production in the first half. On the flip side of that, D.C. was unable to run the ball in the first half. Neither team was able to find their footing. I guess Literally. Literally, too. <laughs> <laughs> Just a little bit of slipping and sliding. I heard the commentators at one point say people were going to uh, half-inch spikes instead of their normal cleats. Like, yeah. they, needed, they we, needed it. We got a whole lesson on molded versus uh, the traditional spikes from the equipment manager for D.C. And really it comes down to, you know, most places are using turf, and these guys aren't going to have more than one pair of cleats but they're playing on a soccer field, which is slicker to begin with, and then it's right. raining. I mean, they absolutely needed something a little bit better. We saw it a couple times. A couple plays were cut short because of that, but it, it it's confusing to me how that wasn't already uh, noted, how that wasn't already something that they had taken care of, right? They knew it was going to rain. It was in the forecast. I don't know why the switch happened after the game started. Yeah, but you can never really know how that's going to affect you until you see it in action. That's Even fair. with the, the glove issue, the Seattle receivers, there's no real way to test that for sure. With a rain-soaked ball, rain-soaked gloves, it's you can't that was another... replicate that until it happens, and then you have to make adjustments later. That was another thing they were talking about there. Like it's not so much the ball being slick; it's the ball being heavy, holding on to all this rain. Right. So, right. Crazy. But we do have. A couple of players of the game as well. Not four this time, but I do have three. And I know this is a little bit contradictory, but I have a receiver for Seattle and two safeties for D.C. How does that work? How are they all great? Uh, Well, it turns out Juwan Green was the by far the best single performance on the offensive side of the ball for either team. Eight catches, 89 yards, and two touchdowns. And he didn't do it in huge chunks. 34 was his longest. Uh, most of it was short, intermediate, and just finding a way to consistently keep the ball moving for Seattle. Jawan Green was the was the safety option, like all game for Ben DiNucci. It really felt like got a lot more targets. A lot of them were bad throws as well. Uh, but <laughs> Jawan Green with eight catches, by far and away the best individual performance of this game on offense. It's unfortunate because it did seem like it took them 
a little too long to find him if they'd have had him from the get-go. Yeah, definitely. Maybe maybe we're looking at something different. But the other thing you got to look at, too, is they did nothing. And I mean nothing to change the play calling up. I think they have two designed runs all game. All game. You signed Phillip Lindsay. I know. What are we doing? I know. He ended, up, he ended up with negative yardage on the game. That is really dumb in my eyes. Uh, but on the defensive side of the ball, it really wasn't worth calling out Santos Ramirez without calling out his counterpart as well. DJ Swearinger, both safeties back there for D.C., really locked things down in a way that the front seven really didn't seem to this game. I mean, D.C.'s defense has been like slightly above average for this league basically all season. It's felt like they do give up big plays sometimes. The offense kind of bails them out of some situations that they find themselves in. In this game, it was apparent D.C. wasn't giving up big plays. The 134-yard catch to Jawan Green, that was about it for any explosive 20-plus-yard plays for Seattle the entire game. These safeties were really locking it down. 14 tackles between the two of them. Again, maybe not necessarily going to light up a stat sheet for you if you're if you're wanting to see the high tackle totals. Uh, but, again, coming from two safeties, that is pretty phenomenal. And they were the best parts of this defense this game. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's it's kind of rough because they did they let DeLon Green have a great game. And 89 yards doesn't seem big, but if you watch this game, he sticks out more than anybody else on this offense. Yeah. And you'll, it's, it's very clear why. <laughs> yeah, and it was uh, it was at the right moments, too. Juwan Green was just, like, the exact right place, the right time, getting the right amount of yardage, like, multiple times. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but it wasn't enough. No, un- unfortunately, <laughs> it was it was not enough. <laughs> so now it is time for the XFL playoff semifinals bug. And before I really get into it, if you're watching visually, I got to say, I didn't really know where I wanted to put it, so I didn't put it in here at all. But I want to bring it up. The trophies. Yeah. What are I, I oh. can't decide if I like them or if I hate them. I appreciate that the, the, the very subtle difference between the two. The north, the base is white. The south, the base is black. And then it's just... It looks like eight eight uh, metal rods. It's that make touchy a historically. Making the south like <laughs> north white. Uh, uh, we couldn't escape a show without being a little bit racist. Oh God. Uh, yeah, I no, I totally get what you're saying though. The way the trophy is shaped, it just screams amateur to me a little bit and i don't know if i'm alone in that but i also don't feel like i'm in the majority it just i don't i i i think it's a half complete concept maybe i i think there's something else that could go with it and and i mean look the commanders made a a memorial to sean taylor right Mm -hmm. it was it was in that same vein 
I mean, the NFL is doing something just like that for a legend of the game. And yeah. this is, you know, so I, I can't, I don't know that I like it, but I don't know that it's bad or ugly. I think it's just, it exists and it's just something we're going to have to deal with. Have you seen the championship trophy yet? Oh yeah. It's pretty mid. It It's better. It's better. I, it is better than the divisional trophies, but it better be. Yeah, right. And I appreciate what they did, how they incorporate the divisional trophies into the championship trophy. We'll make sure to have a graphic of it uh, next week. We're going to yeah. – the XFL is – they're taking a week between the championship and uh, the playoffs. So we won't have any XFL games to talk about. But just to fill you all in on a little bit of XFL news, we'll definitely talk about the trophy and some other things next week. But none of that was actually part of the bug this week. Uh, And if you're watching, you probably got a decent idea of what I'm going to go with here. But if you're listening, we're going to start with the bad. And it is Lemons. They made their appearance back out onto the field as a celebration. As, you know, projectiles to throw at Seattle when they did something stupid. Which is why it's also in the good if you're watching. You see it. Uh, if you're listening, I spoiled it a little bit for you. I'll explain why it's in the good when we get there. I mean, come on. They, they've they embraced why. <laughs> uh, it, it is fun. It is fun. I I do have a problem with them aiming them at players, um, which happened a couple times. But if it's just a, a mass of them, they're just chucking them. That's that's why it leans into the good. We'll get there. We'll get there. The bad, the I ugly. Though, have a problem with that. It's kind of funny. <laughs> we're getting there the ugly <laughs> playoffs yeah. playoffs you wouldn't have known these were playoff games I if, you, if you just watched them I mean the ugh. two I, teams definitively showed up which has been a problem in other playoffs I guess mm-hmm. or sometimes championship games yeah I'm curious if Arlington is going to be able to do this again. I really am. I, and, you know, I, I'm going to put overthinking in here a little bit, too. I think the Roughnecks got in their own way. How do you not go back to uh, Brandon Silvers? He looked off from what I've heard. He was just horribly off, and that's why they went with Cole McDonald. Cole McDonald didn't look good either. You know, let your guy get right on the sideline for a little bit, bring him back in, and then overthinking again. You mean to tell me you're going to hand the ball off to Philip Lindsay two, three times a game? What are we doing here? It's just there was there was so much just getting in your own way in this that that's I mean that's a big reason why Seattle and Houston are packing their bags and going home. It's it's brutal, just brutal. You know it's not brutal. Lemons, lemons. We're back to the good now. I'll go from top to bottom if you're watching this. Now, D.C. suffered a loss in a way. Mike Shannon is a defensive coordinator's father-in-law, and he passed away, the longtime Cardinals announcer. And so he was he was calling the game and getting his guys fired up for a loss in the family. And similar to what we saw with Seattle last week where they literally lost a member of their own team, uh, definitely felt like there was a little bit extra spurring them on to victory this week. You love to see you love to see a game dedicated to somebody. But the real good is the lemons. Yes. So not only has DC really embraced this as their identity, we saw a couple guys dressed up as lemons. We've seen guys 
with lemon bucket hats, you know, black bucket hat with lemons all over it. We've seen a couple of them. We saw a couple of them this week as well. But no other point have lemons been popular and more deserving of ending up in the good category than after the two interceptions that Jordan Talmu threw when DC does what every team does now and couldn't just celebrate by running out, you know, after they got tackled or after they ran out of bounds and whatever. No, no, no. They had to take another minute and a half to run down the end zone, do something dumb, blah, 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 blah. Lemons. Throwing the lemons then, I am 100% in agreement. Let's stop that shit. I am so tired of it. Now, I will caveat this in two ways. First, we have the hot mic, the Wendy's hot mic in the end zone for the FCF. It's made for that. It is, that is a whole purpose of that area. That is part of the league. That is fine. All right, I want to make that very clear. Second, I'm not saying I don't like celebrating turnovers. I'm not saying I don't like celebrations either. I'm not part of the no fun league, all right? So, Roger Goodell, I'm not on your side, okay? Get a turnover chain. Get a turnover belt. You can get a turnover robe. I mean, you can a turnover Gucci bag. I don't give a shit what you do. Pittsburgh Maulers have a turnover sledgehammer. Do that. Do not waste time. Like, I've seen it where they've caught it on the one-yard line and gotten pushed out of bounds at the three, and they'll run to the end zone on the other side of the field. What are we doing? That's the delay of game. Throw the fucking flag. Ridiculous. Throw lemons at those men. DC, I also good job. really appreciate that a few teams now have, like, legitimate fan base identities. Like, St. Louis, the cause, the law bullshit that I'm I, sick of at this point. I, I hated it in 2020. I hate it now, too. The, the DC has the beer snake and the lemons. And the lemons. The beer snake shirt is available on XFL Shop. Yeah, there the was, XFL had to lean into that one. You can't you can't escape the beer snake. There was somebody <laughs> at and speaking of cacao, there was somebody at uh at DC that said, How's the cacouch on their sign? That was perfect. I didn't see that one. That's great. Yeah, it was awesome. <laughs> <laughs> we need more of that. It. Turn up your I, local XFL team, start some shit. That's what we Absolutely. Want. Absolutely. All right, so enough of the bug this week, though. We'll uh, it'll be a couple weeks. I'll have a bug for the playoff for the championship game, and I think we'll keep this bug going uh, for the USFL. I definitely plan on watching it uh, this Hell week. Yeah. So we'll see how it goes. Hell yeah! One final power ranking for the XFL. No point in doing it after the championship game. We already know championship winner would get the belt, uh, but we do have. Two XFL teams to rank here in the power rankings. Everybody else got eliminated. They don't matter anymore. Fuck them. Also, we have one extra one because that's how these power rankings always work. Because we are not fans of Roger Goodell and the No Fun League. We are anti, anti No Fun. This is actually the Extremely Fun League. That's what yeah. the XFL stands for. <laughs> uh, so. Different from previous weeks, I kind of want to count up from the bottom. So I think that would be a little bit more fun. Uh, so starting at number three, we do have the Arlington Renegades. Oh, damn. Oh, I guess we're not doing it that way. 
Well, we can do it for the audio listeners. The visual, you know, if you're all watching on YouTube or Twitch, sorry. Uh, if if you don't know, then you don't know, and it's funny anyway. But number three, I guess the Arlington Renegades. Uh, Just, yeah, I had to. They're the worst team remaining. Number two, the D.C. Defenders, of course. I do pick them to win the championship game uh, out of these two teams. Arlington. I will say, though. Arlington beat Orlando twice, and D.C. didn't beat them at all. Yeah, the D.C. beat everybody else, and Arlington lost to everybody else six times. Fair. <laughs> Both valid points. Uh, and if you're watching, you've already seen it because I fucked up the animations. But if you're listening, you're waitingly, waiting and you know, anxiously hearing who that number one is in the power rankings this week. It is Eagles general manager, Howie Roseman, who (laughs) annihilated the NFL draft yet again. Uh, And apparently there's a story come out that other NFL GMs are really pissed that everybody's loving on Howie Roseman. And I say, you know what that means? Do your job better. Yeah. (laughs) How, how in the fuck do they have six guys from that Georgia defense the past two years, including, oh, I know, I know how they ended up with Jalen Carter. That's kind of Jalen Carter's doing. Right. And, but you know, he's excited to be back with Jordan fucking Davis. Yeah. And then Keely Ringo sitting there in the fucking third round. Are we kidding? And they just traded for DeAndre Swift. You know who could have had Jalen Carter and, Nolan Smith in the first round this year and didn't do it. I don't know. The Lions. uh, They could have done that and kept DeAndre Swift and basically built the Georgia, the Georgia Lions, the Detroit Bulldogs. Uh, (laughs) Anything was possible not to allow this man to keep on winning, but NFL GMs refused to beat Howie Roseman at the game that they are also paid to win. Unreal. It, oh, man. I, he does beat out D.C. and Arlington as the best XFL team this week. Congratulations, Howie Rose. I, I think his 12 guys <laughs> would would that he drafted would stand a decent shot against one of these teams. Dude, imagine on straight up the Georgia Bulldogs against the D.C. defenders for the XFL title. Mm. I'm taking Georgia. <laughs> Oh, man. (laughs) So, like we mentioned, the championship is not going to be until the 13th. So, if you're going to be in and around San Antonio on Saturday, May 13th, get yourself a ticket. Head on down to the Alamo Dome. Game will be at 8 p.m. Eastern time, airing on ABC and ESPN Deportes. I believe we'll still be able to see it on ESPN Plus as well. I don't know why they would change it. They've had other games on there as well when they've been on national broadcasts. So I'm going to watch it on ESPN Deportes. Why not? They, so true story. They had a, uh, well, let me, let me take this off here and then we'll get into the USFL for anybody that's tuning in for that. I promise. They had a ESPN Deportes or maybe it was the uh, Spanish and you know, some Spanish announce crew. I don't remember exactly who they had them come up and, uh, you know, say, Hey, you know, Call a touchdown for whoever. Like, let, let's hear. Let's let's let everybody hear. I'm telling you, if I understood a lick of Spanish, there is no shot I'm ever watching a game in English again. 
even oh, just yeah. a made up touchdown call. I mean, if you everybody <laughs> knows from hearing from hearing you know, goal, yeah, everybody knows that, right? I'm telling you. Well, oh, that's I invigorating. I wanna I I have a re rejuvenated want and desire to learn Spanish after that. Spanish speaking soccer announcers and Gus Johnson are the only announcers that I care about. Everyone else can pound sand. <laughs> All right. Speaking of Gus Johnson, he works for Fox, <laughs> doesn't he? Yeah, and his co anchor, at least for college football, Joel Klatt, is also phenomenal. I guess I should throw him in there as well. Uh, Joel Klatt does call USFL games, not with Gus Johnson, though, which is very which sad. Is unfortunate. Yeah. But Birmingham are reigning champions, as we were yeah, corrected by Tug, of all people, last week. Unbelievably. So I've got something right. That's they, terrible. <laughs> they lose their first game of the year to the undefeated New Orleans Breakers, 45 to 31. Did you catch any of this one? I did, and I gotta say, I was amazed. Uh, I didn't think Birmingham was gonna lose again. Like, legitimately, seemed like they were the best team in the league. New Orleans came into Birmingham and kind of beat the shit out of them. Uh, this is a two-score game at the end of it. It could have been worse. Not going to lie. Like, New Orleans kind of felt like they controlled this one. Unbelievably, like, New Orleans is probably the best team in this league right now. Out of kind of nowhere, I did not expect this at all. Yeah, I... Like I said, I haven't watched anything outside of Memphis, so I have no comments about the USFL right now. So you have unfortunately some, some, some bad comments for the next game. Uh, uh, yeah. Offensive and defensive players of the game on screen for you. Wes Hill, running back for New Orleans, had himself three touchdowns, almost 200 yards on 34 carries. Man was handed the ball damn near every offensive snap, made the most of it over five yards a carry. That's kind of incredible once you start reaching 30-plus touches. Unreal. Wes Hills carried the team on his back, kind of legitimately, kind of literally. Uh, three touchdowns for him. Yeah, this this is not a passing team, uh, quite obviously. New Orleans, ground and pound, very effective at it. At the same time, defensive player of the game is linebacker Rashad Smith, for the Birmingham Stallions. Got himself two TFLs, did everything that he could to get behind the line, blow some things up, really made his presence felt at the same time. All you have to do when there's one great defensive player is run to the opposite side of the field. That's what Wes Hills was generally able to do. So Rashad Smith, really, I thought you had a phenomenal game. I guess the play calling for New Orleans was better. Yeah. All right, we want to go into the gross one from Saturday. Why not? This game sucked. <sighs> These teams fucking, suck. Fucking Memphis, dude. Uh, but you did finally start the right quarterback. Who? Chad Cole Kelly. Kelly. Cole Kelly, the beast out of southeastern Louisiana by way of Arkansas. And I believe he texted a and at some point, too. Uh, either way. Most recently, southeastern Louisiana, where he dominated, of course. 
Uh, he is a mountain of a man. He's the reason that I have a southeastern Louisiana Lions hat because Cole Kelly's a fucking beast. Uh, but it wasn't enough. Houston somehow was able to win. I don't understand it. I don't think Memphis understands it. I don't think I know Todd Haley was pissed off after this game too, which is the yeah, same thing geez. that happened after last game. I'm getting sick of his antics. I'm not going to lie to you. I if think everybody kind of does. Losing, then why don't you just coach better? Try that. Yeah. Well, and it's like, how many NFL staffs has he been on and been the head coach for? Right. I mean, it's just, at some right. point, man, you got to. He's been run out of town too many times for this to be a coincidence. Right. Yeah. We're, we're seeing who Todd Haley is, unfortunately. Uh, but. Do want to shout out offensive player of the game? It is Cole Kelly. I know the showboats lost, but damn, Cole Kelly came in and really looked the part. 307 yards, two touchdowns, didn't have an interception, but also 17 yards on the ground for him. Like, truly the bright spot of this entire Memphis showboats team this week, in my eyes. Like, I'll say this, too. You know, obviously, I want Brady White to be the guy. Right. I think I think anybody who is a Memphis Tigers fan and is a Showboats fan by proxy as well wants it to work out with Brady White. But the, th- the fact of the matter is, is it didn't work out for him last year. He was not the starter for the Bandits. He came in midseason to late for the spring league. He didn't even make it through camp with the Titans. He was a great college quarterback, the best quarterback in Memphis history, but unfortunately this looks like the end. I will add, however, that if somebody's going to replace him, I'm glad it's Cole Kelly because I 100% agree with you. I remember when Southeast Louisiana said, hey, we think we need another game to get into the playoffs in that spring year of the FCF, and SIE was sitting there with their pants down because I can't even remember who it was. They just said, we're not going to finish the season. Sorry, guys. And tip of the cap to Southeast Louisiana forever because of this. They took the game on short notice. There were a lot of people thinking they would get in without playing that game. But they said, no, we're going to go in. We're going to earn it. We're going to make sure we earn it. And they did not lose because of Cole Kelly. I will say that 100%. No, definitely. That game was absolutely memorable to us on the pod. And uh, I hope that Cole Kelly can – turn things around for Memphis. It's going to take more than a single week of getting some starter reps, but I think he really can. They showed some promise here. Just uh, wasn't enough. Do want to give a shout-out to defensive back Donald Rutledge Jr. of the Houston Gamblers with a very rock-solid performance. Ten total tackles. Forced a fumble. Big hitter out there. Really laying a hat on some guys. Also had two pass breakups, which is a stat the XFL doesn't keep track of, but the USFL does. I really appreciate it because it gives us something more to talk about with these defensive backs, especially when they don't have huge breakout games like this. Ten fucking tackles for a defensive back. You don't usually see that too often. But he was really flying around all across the field and did a fantastic job back there. Uh, Just enough. But it was enough. Houston Gamblers got the win. Which I didn't, uh, third time in this episode, a sentence I never thought I'd be able to say. <laughs> I, I wonder if we're ever going to see Memphis get a win. Let's be, let's be honest here. I think so, eventually. 
moving (laughs) moving right along we already talked about the aforementioned turnover hammer turnover sledgehammer pretty exciting uh no the pittsburgh maulers never felt in complete control of this one to some extent like everyone kind of had an eye on the scoreboard where yeah this is a one score game and it was like all the way through but also it never felt like the stars could gain any kind of momentum like every time they took a step forward felt like pittsburgh was pushing them three four steps back just a a great maulers defensive performance here uh, i know philadelphia got two scores out of this but hey i'm giving credit to that defense way more than the offense in large part because i think all but one touchdown uh so like 15 points of this came off of field goals uh, which is why even though he's not a human being offensive player of the game goes to chris blewett five for five did miss the extra point he blew can't, it. Can't be perfect. Uh, 15 points, beat the Philadelphia Stars on his own. Uh, I guess him and this Pittsburgh Maulers defense combined whooped Philadelphia's ass. <laughs> the The offense for Pittsburgh does not look good. This is, if you joined the Discord, you would have seen this conversation. Uh, this is the San Antonio Promise of the USFL. This offense cannot move. Same oh, colors. I know. That's perfect. Uh, and they probably have those colors because of Heinz Ward and Joey Porter. So, you know. <laughs> but, man, this, this defense was something to behold, especially because I really expected Philadelphia to come out swinging and really start the season off strong. They had a were very respectable last year lost in the championship game and uh it man it's not looking the same for them Uh, i will say there is one bright spot though defensive player of the game i guess co-defensive player of the game adam rodriguez defensive end for him really stepped up two tackles for loss two sacks and got up and swatted a ball down off the line of scrimmage uh yeah they have a decent enough defensive end you need a little bit more than that to win games, unfortunately. But he certainly showed up. Adam Rodriguez looked phenomenal. And then a familiar name, if you watched, I don't know, any college football or mm-hmm. remember the 2017 NFL draft, Ruben Foster, former first-round pick for the San Francisco 49ers, cut for legal reasons. I believe it looks like, as far as I can tell, has turned his life around getting a shot here with the USFL and doing everything in his power to make it right, get back in the league. This is a phenomenal showing for him. Two tackles for loss, two passes defended, got an interception in there as well. Really looked like he was laying it all on the line. There were a couple of plays where he just, he had to stay down, not because he was necessarily hurt, but because he was so damn winded. And I actually kind of believed it this time, which is rare, because most times that happens, it looks like either just bullshitting, trying to milk the clock or something. Now, Ruben Foster, this one looked like he will 
he will feel this game for a few more days. <laughs> but he, he laid it all on the line and got them to win. Their first win of the season. Massive, massive win. Because I think this ties them for either second or at least ties them for third in the North Division. Still very clear path to the playoffs. I know we have a long way to go, but they needed this first one. Mm-hmm. Let's see. Oh, and looks like we know a thing or two about this. Uh, Ruben Foster was actually the defensive player of the week for the league as well. Fantastic. Uh, I do think Adam Rodriguez deserved a shout in the game, though, as well. Just a great individual performance. Wish the rest of the defense could have helped him out. <laughs> I guess they kind of did. Held him to five field goals. But wasn't enough. Wasn't enough. Moving right along, we go to Detroit. Yet yeah. again, we stay there. And the New Jersey Generals win this one 28-13 over the Michigan Panthers, who are off to a surprising start. They were, but the Generals proved to be too much. Uh, I got to be honest with you. I had no idea who DeAndre Johnson was until this game. Like, I'm sure he's he's obviously been the starter for the Generals, but I didn't watch weeks one and two of the USFL. So jumping in here week three, uh, DeAndre Johnson is a very fun player and really hard to defend. Like, holy shit, this guy's pretty good. <laughs> uh, not necessarily as a pure passer. Did a lot of it on the ground as well. Broke 100 yards on the ground and lost it due to some kneel downs at the end of the game, unfortunately, because that counts against rushing yards for some reason. Uh, but, man, uh, up and down the field, really felt like the generals were able to move the ball whenever they wanted to. And that doesn't seem like it based on the scoreboard, only four touchdowns in there. But, honestly, when they needed to move the ball, kind of felt like there was nothing – the Panthers could do. Uh, and on offense, they just could not get it going. The Panthers, that is. It just uh, truly nothing to write home about <laughs> from this Panthers offensive performance. Like, I couldn't even name you a single player on that offense. Like, nobody stood out to me as yeah. being worth talking about here. Uh, but DeAndre Johnson is the offensive player of the game. I've already raved about him enough, but time to look at his stats. 10 for 15. Didn't throw the ball nearly as much as like a Cole Kelly did. Uh, 180 yards, two touchdowns, though. Very efficient with the ball and made some great decisions out there. 10 carries for 98 yards. I believe that was eight carries and exactly 100 yards before the kneel downs to end the game, uh, which is even more impressive. Did fumble at one time. But, you know, I'll give everybody one pass after, you know, a multi-touchdown performance like that. Definitely a huge part of this win for the Generals and a big reason why I kind of believe in them going forward. Like, I do think this is a pretty solid team. Yeah, I completely agree. I mean, there's a reason they're good. There's a reason that we thought they would, you know, be that they were the champions last year. It's not like this was – out of nowhere, this is a good team. They were one of the best teams last year. It looks like they're back on that track again this year. 
I heard a stat which is hilarious and unfortunately true for Generals fans. They are undefeated in the history of the regular season when they are not playing the Birmingham Stallions. <laughs> Across two seasons now. Undefeated, unless they play the Birmingham Stallions. They do play them once again the last week of the season. Very much looking forward to that one. Probably vying for a playoff spot. Uh, defensive players of the game, I do have two of them. It didn't feel right to shout out DeWan Hines without his running mate back there at linebacker, Chris Orr. Both of them had 10 tackles apiece. Uh, Hines also with a TFL and two pass breakups. But yeah, both of them truly ran the show for this general's defense. And I, I was, I was already thinking to make both of these guys, the players of the game. And then uh, Fox cut to a sideline interview and who did the interviewer have, but both of them, you can't do one without the other for this game. It was legitimately Hines and or both really showed up in a big way. Absolutely. That it? We ready to move on to the power rankings here? I mean, yeah. Next week will be a lot more fun when you've started watching the games, too. Yeah, I feel bad. <laughs> I do. I I feel bad. I had so much fun at the draft, though. I don't feel that bad. I mean, worth it for the draft, but the show will be a lot better next week. <laughs> I, I apologize. <laughs> <clears throat> but I did go ahead and make the USFL power rankings because I finally got to watch everybody play. So I finally have a finally have somewhat of a vibe of where I would put all these teams. Number one has to be the New Orleans Breakers. 3-0 right now, the only undefeated team in the in the USFL and beat who I thought was the best team in the USFL in the Birmingham Stallions. Uh yeah. New Orleans is on a terror right now. Beat them by multiple scores, too. Like, this wasn't a fluke. And in yeah. Birmingham, they're not playing in New Orleans. This is supposed to be New Orleans' home stadium, too. Uh, but it's in Birmingham for the Birmingham Stallions. New Orleans beat them by two scores. That yep. is crazy dominance over a team I thought initially would have been better than them. Number two, I do have the Pittsburgh Pirates in here. <laughs> Hottest team in baseball, baby. Uh, second best record in Major League Baseball. That's why they're not number one. They are still behind Tampa Rays and the New Orleans Breakers in the USFL USFL power rankings. Uh, but yeah, last ten games for the Pirates, nine and one. Looking and they good. got they got JSN's brother on the team too. Yes, they do. Also, a team that I really did not expect to be as good as they are, just like the New Orleans Breakers. So. Pittsburgh Pirates get their spot here on the USFL Power Rankings. Number three, I do still have the Birmingham Stallions. I still think this is a great team. It's, it's one tough game, loss. I guess. It's a tough loss. And they did beat the New Jersey Generals, who I do want to put in at number four, especially after this game against the Panthers. Like, this looks like a legitimate threat. And, yeah, they're behind the Stallions right now on the field and in the power rankings, but they there's plenty of room to grow here for the generals. Number five, I do have those Panthers we've been talking about. Uh, 
yeah, this is a surprise to me as well. I didn't think they were going to be any good this year. What what state are they from? They're the state up north. One of those. Just start naming them. They're north of you. You'll get there eventually. North Dakota? States. Not that one. Uh, <laughs> they got a new head coach this year, which I feel like has made quite a big difference. Uh, not a whole ton of roster turnover. It was a little bit consistent year to year across the USFL, which is very exciting, actually, if you're going to become a fan of one of these teams. But, uh, yeah, the Panthers are a lot better than a lot better than I thought they would be. I guess leaving it at that or for right now. Uh don't wanna don't wanna hype them too much. <laughs> Number six, I do have the Pittsburgh Maulers. Feels a little bit high for a team that was complaining about they don't have an offense to, to speak of. They only won this game because of their kicker. Uh but I'm digging the vibe. That's kind of all I can say about this one right now. Uh, I'm I'm getting a good vibe off of this, and that turnover slow chamber does it for me. <laughs> I love I love the idea of a turnover slow chamber. Honestly, <laughs> love it. It does give us number seven, the team that they just beat, the Philadelphia Stars, right beneath the Pittsburgh Maulers. Um, I have some faith in the Pittsburgh Stars. Like they have a couple of good Pittsburgh players, Wallers or the Philadelphia Stars. Who who do you have faith in? Philadelphia Stars. Yeah. There you go. Uh, thank you. Thank you. I'm sure that was very confusing for a moment. Uh, <laughs> the Philadelphia Stars have a couple of really great players on that roster, and they made it very far last year. Like this team could easily turn it around. They have the experience to do so. Right now, I'm not seeing it this year. Uh, again, I've already said I didn't really get to see much of weeks one and two. Week three, I am not feeling it. And uh, they're coming in behind Pittsburgh. Suck it. <laughs> <laughs> At number eight in the USFL power rankings, we do have the Chicago White Sox. Uh, I saw a great meme, which is also factually accurate. Uh, so there are 30 teams in Major League Baseball, right? <laughs> uh, have you won a game in the last moon cycle? 29 teams say yes, of course. Why wouldn't we have? We're baseball teams. It's baseball games you're asking about. Chicago White Sox over here. No, we have not done that. They're also the only team that's games are not broadcast on FM radio. They're the only one that's still on AM radio. The White Sox are fucking awful. And it makes me laugh. And they're chanting, sell the team. It makes me so happy. I mean, there's, I love every bit of this. As long as the South Side's miserable, I'm happy. They're also in my division. So I'm very happy about this as well. They're like half in my division. I do care about the, the Royals now, so. Okay. I have more reason to hate him. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, the Royals suck too, all right? I'm surprised they weren't on the other side of the graphic. The Guardians this year. It's not like anybody in the AL Central's that good. (laughs) Detroit? No, Detroit's not good. Fuck Detroit. Get out of here with that bullshit. (laughs) 
if anybody's going to be good by the end of the year, it will be either be the Guardians or the Twins is my bet. But we'll see. Not definitely not the Sox. The White Sox suck. And they come in at number eight, which means that's how little I think of the next two teams in the USFL power rankings. Number nine is the Houston Gamblers, and number ten is the Memphis Showboats. Uh, I think it is fair to start calling them the Memphis Shitboats. The poop deck. Very popular spot on the showboat. <laughs> yep. Oh, man. Yeah. It hurts. It hurts a lot. I want them to be good. It doesn't change the fact that they are not good. I want them to be good, too. That's where we're at. Yeah. <laughs> it's unfortunate. Before I hurt Bugs' feelings anymore, let's go ahead and jump to next week's schedule for the USFL. Starting us off, the Houston Gamblers and the Philadelphia Stars. Um, I would put money on the Stars. That's where I'm at with that one. Agreed. Uh, next up, the Memphis Showboats and the State Up North Panthers. I'm going to keep doing it now that you called me out. <laughs> I wasn't even doing it consciously before, but now it's the thing. Uh, I, honestly, with this one, I'm curious how the Panthers are going to bounce back from a loss after two wins in a row. And with Cole Kelly getting another week of starting, Showing some real life to the offense. I would not be surprised if Memphis comes out and wins this game. But, of course, according to the power rankings, I you would be very shocked. The Panthers to be a better team, and I would be surprised uh, to see the Showboats win. But not like it's not out of the realm of possibility, I guess, put it that way. I really do think the Showboats have, you know, the pieces are there. We'll see. It could, could happen. Angels in the outfield. It definitely is a thing that might or might not happen. <laughs> and I, I, I got to wonder, if anybody's up around Detroit and goes to either of these games, let me know like what they do in between games because this is back-to-back games yep. at Ford Field. I'm curious, are they going to – I don't think they're going to kick everybody out. That does not – I don't – there's too many right. things I, I know about this that. league. I, I yeah. would be more – inclined to think they're going to do like a flag football tournament or something. There's so many things that I think they'll actually do instead of kicking everybody out, but might be a concert. I mean, a I bunch mean, of things they could do. Yeah. I'm curious. So anybody, if anybody's out there listening, uh, tuning yeah. in or, you know, I'll dig around a little bit as well, but I'm curious to see what they're going to do in between game two. Oh, you probably have like two and a half, three hours there of nobody on the field at all, unless yeah. you, I don't know. A lot of options. Then on Sunday, we have the New Orleans Breakers and the New Jersey Generals. Should be a fantastic game. Honestly, look very much looking forward to this matchup. Uh, and then the Birmingham Stallions against the Pittsburgh Maulers. Both of these games will be in Canton, Ohio, at the Hall of Fame Stadium. Uh, I, again, I haven't heard any complaints this season about that field. Seems like the NFL complains about it every single time anybody goes. Yeah. But USFL hasn't seemed to mind so far. Here's uh, here's the other thing that I'm wondering about, right? Because I, I feel like having a team based there is awesome. Mm-hmm. And having them play, like, getting – not that that field has to be used, right? Like, I'm not – 
I'm not saying that, but I love that they that there's more than just a championship game going there. I, I would love for the USFL to continue to do the championship game there, no matter what. Not right. that's a Fourth of July weekend at the Hall of Fame championship game. That's the best thing about any of these spring leagues, bar none. If you're in our Discord or if you've been running around on Twitter, Josh Gerben uh, tweeted out a list of trademarks the USFL just applied for. There's nine different names here. Uh, none of them are Ohio, though. None of them. And I, yeah. I feel like that might be a little bit of a missed opportunity. I've also seen that apparently that is just the USFL trying to get back some of their old trademarks from the last time the USFL existed. Oh yeah. Some of these, some of these I recognize as old names. Like I'm pretty sure the Austin Wranglers are an old one. The Denver gold, I believe is an old one. I believe San Antonio gunslingers is an old one as well. And even like the Baltimore stars, right? That was an old trademark that they just held in case. And the USFL is trying to get all those back just for the sake of having them right now. I don't really think anything's going to come of that news. It is interesting to keep on top of. Yeah. They have a long way to go before they even think about expansion, though, because they're not even in all of their technically host cities right now. But this is the path that they've been taking. This is what they've been building towards. I will say, if you are a Birmingham Stallions fan, you see Dallas Stallions as part of this list as well. I would not worry at all. You were a fantastic host city last year. You've got one of the best teams. I I hold no allegiance to Birmingham, but I would definitely look at this league very differently if they took that team out of Birmingham and put them in Dallas. I'll just oh, I'll put that out there from the top. Definitely. And I think there is room to expand in the future assuming a couple of things go right. And one of those things would have to be actually getting everybody to play home games in the, in the town that they technically call home. If if I remember right, that should be next season. Should be. I believe that you are correct, but yeah, let's, let's slow down the expansion talk till then. (laughs) That's where I'm at. (laughs) I agree. I agree a hundred percent, but it's a thing that happened. Might as well bring it up. Oh, I just definitely fair. Such a missed opportunity. <clears throat> well, all I have to say at the end of this is uh wow. What a great spring league podcast this has been. Absolutely. Hey, are we gonna be going on Thursday? I know this is kind of a a last minute thing here. We're not doing any more, you know, mock drafts or draft coverage. Nope. I mean, when are when are we going to get to the meat and potatoes of what this podcast does and start talking about some college football here? College football is going to be quite a little bit of ways away. We're going to be holding that until the summer. Uh, in the meantime, Thursday is reserved for whenever the FCF decides it wants to exist again. Now, last I saw of fan-controlled football, they posted an article on their website saying that the league was going to be back for season three in May. And then they deleted that article. So yep. you cannot access it anymore. At the same time, they just put out that tryouts were a success in Atlanta. It was a packed house. They didn't have enough room for everybody who wanted to be a part of the tryouts. I don't know what is going on with the fan control football. 
Uh, If that happens this May slash June, we will be on top of it, and that could be our Thursday thing. In the meantime, I think it's only fair that we give Thursdays a rest for a minute because, uh, yeah, the USFL is going to take our time on Monday, recap some of the games, look ahead. There's... There's no point in going Thursday when we don't have any leagues going on, right? Here's the other thing too. I got a I got a fan council survey back in December. I haven't gotten anything since then. The last mm-hmm. email I have in my inbox from January, and then I have a few in my spam folder. Man. But it's just like what I mean. Th- this one's in my spam from today, but that's it. Will we work on the here? I'll I'll read it off live here. This is the first time I'm seeing it. I sent it out of my spam, so now I have to look, have to research for it. Will we work on the next season of fan controlled football? We teamed up with our friend Block Jocks Flair Network to make these totally rad commemorative playbook covers. Awesome yeah. designs celebrating the OG, the baller squads, plus season one, B1, and B2 people's champs. Digital web art. You own that comes to life printed on holographic posters sent directly to your pad. Only available while supplies last, and if there are any left on May 10th, we're burning the rest, so get them now. Unreal. I I mean, this is, like I said, this is the first I've really seen of it, so. Yeah, and they're still showing NFTs instead of putting out a product, so not a whole lot of faith there at the moment. Uh, When they do come back around, we will watch because the FCF has been very exciting. And it would work out perfectly because we could talk about the drafts right after the drafts happen. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, yeah. I think Thursday is a no-go this week. We will see you guys next Monday to talk purely USFL stuff. We have a week off from the XFL as well. Kind of crazy. but yeah, we we have some great ones to watch out for in from the USFL. What just happened there? You lagged so hard. I think it's it's to get into covering the USFL though. You were lagging for me. Are too, you going to so read them? This is great. This is a great. This is time this is fun. What a what a great <laughs> podcast. What a great ending. Hey. We do have some links we want to shout out. If you want to support the show, go check us out at patreon.com backslash BDT football or head over to twitch.tv backslash big dudes in the trenches. All one word there. You can hit that follow button. That's free. That helps us out. But if you hit that subscribe button, you'll be helping the show out directly. Or if you just want to hang out and see how everything's going, that's fine too. Be active in the chat, please. We love talking to you guys. If you want to catch the video version of this later, though, head on over to youtube.com backslash big dudes in the trenches. Again, all one word there. And if you want to interact with us any other way, you can follow us on Twitter, twitter.com backslash BDT football at BDT football there, facebook.com backslash BDT football. And on Instagram, it's the same thing, except it's BDT underscore football. The first one wasn't available. You can check out our website. It's still in flux. We got some work that needs to be done there. Uh, and then you can shoot a, shoot us an email if you want a question answered on the show, but you're not able to make it. Mailbox at bdtfootball.com. 
we'll check that email and let you know what's going on uh, as we can. Our Discord link will be posted in the description of this podcast or on YouTube. Discord.gg, and then there's a backslash with a bunch of random characters. I thought you were going to go for it. It's going to be very Ah, exciting. 9G, capital X, 3PT, capital G, 36, capital E. Very fun. Very fun. That that might not be the right one, though. I don't think it is. Uh, But we are active all the time in there. Like, legitimately, every single day, posting some whatever's going on around the spring leagues, college football, NFL, some stuff that you might have missed out on, or just talking about, I don't know, all the news (laughs) all the time. It's kind of what we do. Uh, We'd love to have you join us on Discord for sure. But I think that does it for me. Wow. Yep, it is just NFTs. That's so dumb. I was hoping to be something. I know I hopped in the fan-controlled sports discord, and it's nothing but NFT advertisements, basically. So, (laughs) (sighs) Brutal. brutal. Hey, did you know that a full moon is nine times brighter than a half moon? I did not know that. That is an insane amount. Insane amount. I mean, it makes sense. Right. Fair enough. Hey, are we doing Tug's thing? Fuck no. Get me the fuck out of here before I lose my shit on Tug's thing. (laughs) We'll see y'all next week. Peace out, Girl Scout. Have a good day.